I'm Jill Shaw, and you're listening to Last Night at School Committee. Ross Wilson and I are here to summarize for you what happened last night during the Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. Ross, good morning. Good morning, Jill. Last night's meeting was about three and a half hours, so it was a really relatively short meeting as compared to others. And there was really only one agenda item at the meeting to get feedback on a potential new policy around grading. But a lot of the discussion, Jill, was actually in the superintendent report and right after the superintendent report, and we'll dig into that. First, the superintendent talked about this issue of back pay. So as you recall, Jill- This is the third meeting. <laughs> this is the third meeting, yeah. Like pay, um, pay the teachers. Pay the teachers. Pay them. Pay the teachers. Superintendent said, hey, we're paying the teachers, but- we still have some work to do to address this Ross, issue. is everything on paper? I mean, I know no. when you used to run HR, it was in a system, but no. I, how is this possible? I don't know, Jill. I did like, this has been done before numerous times. Yeah, people I... have been paid. There have been there are actually pay adjustments that occur, mm-hmm. and people actually get their salaries adjusted and get paid on a timely basis. This issue- I mean, this is not tech debt. <laughs> this is like forgot to input data debt. There's clearly other issues going on here yeah. that are basic issues that are not overly complicated. And this has been, again, Jill, it's been done before in Boston many times over. You mean we've paid people before? Yes. And and, and people have actually moved, they got pay adjustments and back pay and they've all been paid. And this actually happens all over the country and world. So hopefully people will stop hearing about this issue because it really is a distraction. And at a time when we need great teachers and staff in schools, um, we don't want to lose anybody because they're not being paid appropriately. So hopefully this is the last time we hear about that issue. And Jill, we heard about this issue of the bus contract. This has been covered in the media most recently around this RFP for a bus contractor for BPS. BPS has their own transportation system, Jill. They have a full cadre of people in Boston Public Schools who to support yellow buses around the city. And BPS also hires a contractor to support the operation of yellow school buses. That contractor for years has been a company called Transdev. And this is a relatively small contract in sort of the overall contract of of yellow buses. So we spend now, I think next year, we're proposing to spend $153 million on yellow buses. And this contract is actually worth just less than $20 million for support to operate the yellow bus system. What is happening here, Jill, with this contract is the oversight of the city and the state have basically said to BPS, hey, you should have more than one bidder on a, on a contract. And in fact, you're not really running a great transportation system as it is. Mm-hmm. And now you just have a single bidder. It's the same provider you've used for years. So we encourage you to go back out to bid and get more competition. And BPS basically and, and, and superintendent basically said, we, we understand what they're saying to us. We are considering what they've said to us and we'll come back to you with a vote on this contract going forward. It could be the case, though, that there's nobody else who wants the contract. Totally, yeah. because the system is absolutely yeah. broken. I mean, why would you want to step into that? Right. Yeah. There, there's a reason why nobody probably wants to bid on this contract, yeah. because it's a massively broken system. So it, it is interesting, though. Buses were also highlighted as a bright spot. I want to call out a few really bright spots um, in celebration from the past week. We received two electric buses that were unveiled Uh, last week. An additional 18 buses will arrive in the coming weeks and are expected to be in use shortly following the February school vacation. I had the chance to uh, join Mayor Wu, our transportation department, 
members of trans staff, our bus drivers, and others to talk about what it means to have these buses in our fleet for our students. So we've got 20 electric buses on the way, two that are here, one that the superintendent has ridden in, and they'll soon be on the street. Can we discuss this? We're going to spend $259 million on electric school buses. We're going to buy and own more buses. It's a good idea. So Jill, I, I have to say and, and I, that, that I was quite surprised about this announcement around electrifying buses and really well, the lack buying of the buses. buying the buses yeah. and the lack of pushback on this topic mm-hmm. uh, publicly, really. Mm-hmm. So let's just summarize this for a second. So the, the BPS so far has spent $7 million of ESSER money to buy 20 brand new electrified school buses, full-size buses. ESSER money being the, the dollars that should be spent on recovery from the pandemic for our students. Right. And instead of spending them on our students, we spent them on buying a brand new, large, full-size yellow buses. And this total investment, Jill, of the announcement will be $259 million over the next decade each bus costs three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, there's many questions to be had here, but first, over the past decade, BPS has lost eight thousand students, with enrollment continuing to decline. At the same time, BPS's transportation budget has grown to one hundred and fifty-three million dollars, among the most expensive in the country. Even the members of our own school committee acknowledge that the buses driving around with just one or two students on board is incredibly inefficient. And they admit, BPS admits, they have no idea who rides these buses. In addition to that, Jill, many school districts lease buses. They lease different types of vehicles. They have smaller vehicles, some have larger vehicles. No, BPS is deciding to buy all of their buses responsible for this asset that completely depreciates year after year that they have to maintain and there's no flexibility around it. That's what we're doing. It's so interesting, though. The only thing I'd add to what you said is, you know, we have, you know, the notion of autonomous vehicles is really on the horizon. And so we're going to invest $259 million in new electric buses, right? First of all, why are we not leasing these things with the amount of innovation that's going to go into vehicles like this over the next 20 years? I don't know why you purchase fixed assets as opposed to just lease things and then upgrade them as new models come along. It doesn't make any sense to me in addition to everything else that you just said. But, you know, this kind of this, I don't know if it was this comment that agitated school committee or if they were agitated already, but certainly it kind of created a whole ripple effect that went through the rest of the meeting. I totally agree, Jill. I mean, there was two members last night, both member Lorena LaPera and Chair Jerry Robinson, who asked a number of questions that around transportation, but really deeper than transportation and around our student assignment system. Right. So let's start with Lorena LaPera's question that she asked about, what are we doing here? At what point are we going to interrogate how we're doing assignments? There's a high concentration of students to have special needs or who require additional resources. And they tend to be really clustered in a lot of our transformation schools. And so 
when are we thinking about really interrogating our assignment process as we're moving forward? And again, I'm, I'm separating it from the transportation pieces, but I also think that it's very much combined. So Russ, Ms. LaPera is basically asking about assignment, tying it to transportation, saying these things are really interwoven. You can't talk about one without talking about the other. What does that mean? So Jill, we have a assignment system that's called the home-based assignment system, where theoretically families were supposed to be given choices of schools close to home. And that would mean that students, there'd be high quality schools close to home that parents could choose. And if a parent have a student with a disability or who was a multilingual learner, there'd be programming that'd be appropriate for those students close to home. Yep. That was never realized. Right. And in fact, school quality is very inconsistent across our city. And special education programs and multi-language learner programs are also spread across our city, right. which requires us to bus our students all around our city. So we went from a system that was a large sort of zone-based system, three major zones where students were bused around the city, to a system that, quite frankly, doesn't work, and students are still being bused around our city. Right. The key issue here is quality. It's programming. It's ensuring that our school quality is really strong in every neighborhood and that all of our families have access to high quality schools close to home. And there's been no data really on this, Jill, too, that you may be wondering, like, how many students are going far away and how far are they going? And the, the district hasn't presented any data on this that is meaningful in years around right. the student assignment system. Members ask questions like this and say, when are we going to have the discussion? When are we going to talk about this? But nobody follows up. There's no data to really base our understanding of what's happening in our city. But it did keep it did continue last night. So it prompted the chair to ask a series of questions about what is going on? Are we still doing the right things for our kids? She gives some examples of people that she knows who are leaving the district because they're not fulfilled by what is being offered to them. Here's what she says. A topic that I know is very hard for us to bring up in Boston, but, you know, but as we're looking at new schools, transportation, et cetera, my question always goes back to at what point will we be willing to have a conversation with our neighborhoods? about whether or not busing still is something that people are interested in. We are not the city we were 50 years ago when this was necessary. We're spending a lot of money moving a lot of kids around a very crowded city and not really being happy at the end of the ride. These last two statements by school committee members are very interesting. First, let's go back to Ms. Lopera's question. She says, when are we gonna start talking about the student assignment system? Well, Ms. Lopera could bring this up in new business, right? At the end of each meeting, according to Robert's rules, there's an opportunity at the end of each school committee meeting in which new business could be presented. There's actually a process in which you could put forward a proposal to discuss it at the uh, next meeting say, hey, or, or in a or, month. Or at that meeting. Yep. You could say, like, do I have a second to have this discussion about student assignment? Or can we put this on the next meeting? Or can I, we have data at the next meeting? And in fact, actually, at the beginning of the next meeting, when you look at the minutes, if it's not included, you could say, I don't approve these minutes. You actually took out my request to have this presented at the next meeting. So you do, in fact, have power as a school committee member to put items on the agenda. Right. And now, Jill, to the chair. We have the chair of the Boston School Committee is asking, when can we start to have a conversation? Well, the chair dictates the agenda. The chair creates the agenda. 
the chair does not have to make a resolution. The chair can simply put that conversation on the agenda. Right. And she's been on school committee for quite a while. So it just makes me wonder why isn't she? I mean, it's obviously she said she asked her question with such passion. She will talk about her other statements later in the meeting. But it feels like she feels like her hands are tied. It feels like the chair is not making the agenda. Right. It feels like the members don't feel like they don't have the ability to have a conversation. It feels like somebody else is making the decisions here rather than the school committee. Now, let's get to this, Jill. The city council yesterday passed a resolution seven to five to have an elected school committee. Eighty percent of voters in a non-binding referendum wanted an elected school committee. The mayor has been clear. She does not support an elected school committee. Even though she did when she was on the campaign trail. She she, she supported a hybrid. Hybrid, exactly. We have a problem here. The resolution from the city council can go no further if the mayor does not support it. Right. The voters have said, we want something different on our school committee. Well, they're voting with their feet. They're leaving. They'll leave. And they're saying, we want the members of the school committee to actually have real conversation. We want them to have real policymaking. We just heard from two really important members of the school committee last night saying they don't have power. They don't have the ability to have the right conversations that are happening in our district. And so I would, you know, I would argue, Jill, there's two really important historians in education in our city. There's many, Mm -hmm. by the way. Our Mm -hmm. city is full of people who have long memories and have been involved in really important work in the Boston schools for a long time. Totally. And I think we should hear from them about what is it that's happened? How did we get to where we are? But two of those people have recently written editorials about the school committee. One person is Alan Guiney and the other person is Bill Walczak. And they've both written editorials separately saying, we think we should abolish the school committee in totality. And instead, let's give the school department to the city. Let's have the mayor be in charge directly of the school department rather than have this school committee kind of as a... Well, they're basically saying this is a facade anyway, so let's call a spade a spade. Put the department in the city under the control of the mayor because isn't it already under the control of the mayor? I mean, who made the decision about the dollars coming out of ESSER and being spent on school buses as opposed to taking care of our kids? You know, when we were working in the schools, working on the lunches alongside the mayor and alongside of Boston Public Schools, completely changing the way that kids and teachers experienced lunch, so many people came up to us in the education business, right, in the city and said, you know, this is so important, right? Like we've always learned Maslow before Bloom. And I didn't really know what that meant, Ross. You had to explain that to me. I understood Maslow. I didn't understand Bloom. But basically, they were saying we have to take care of the basic needs of our kids before we can take care of them academically. And right now, it feels like nobody is focused on that strategy for kids. We're not hearing about the safety in schools, even though, you know, we're hearing about it outside of things. We're getting calls from principals about the food. There's a discussion about attendance and about chronic absenteeism. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on in the city that say we're not taking care of our kids, but we're going to put new big giant buses without a strategy on the streets. And by the way, now we're using electricity instead of gas. 
That's it, Jill. I mean, it's really, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like we should be having conversations about social emotional support for our students. We should be having conversations about appropriate staffing in our schools to ensure that our students have qualified great teachers. We should be having conversations about, to your point, safety. This is an unresolved issue where we hear from many students and many families, many school administrators and teachers that they don't feel safe in our schools. Yeah. And that conversation is not happening. Rather, we have a conversation that is really a distraction, Jill. It's an absolute distraction from the real work, which is a conversation about electrifying a few buses where we don't even have charging stations. It's a valiant, a good idea. We should definitely have electric vehicles. We should save the environment. That is an important thing. But we could also like lease these vehicles. We'd have small vans. There's all these different things, right? But right. a distraction. Jill, the way I equate this is we're like putting some mansion on a sandbar and saying, look, we fixed the issue. Right. right. But isn't, issue, it right isn't it pretty and shiny? Isn't it pretty? Like, focus on that. We focus used really on that. high quality tile. Right. Yeah. Right. Instead of like having but real. By the way, the foundation might slip away. It might day. slip away. Instead yeah. of having real conversations, and even our school committee members are begging for real conversations. Well, so let's go to that because, I mean, really, really tough to hear the chair then talk about there was a preliminary discussion about grading, which went on for a long time given that it was a preliminary discussion. But in comments afterwards and questions, the chair said this. A question I ask often is what is the value of a BPS, you know, diploma when we know that even when we sit at the valedictorians luncheon, that we know that even though they are the top of their school, it doesn't mean that grade wise, they're all ready to go and be successful at college because what those grades have meant are very different. So my hope is that in several years, that won't be the case if this is done correctly, is that an A earned really will equal an A and school and um, skills achieved will really be the skills that in the mastery that will allow our students, irregardless of school, to be able to graduate and go on to whatever next college career and be successful in a more generic way than, than it's true today. Ross, that gave us a lot of pause. Did oh my it not? goodness, Jill. I mean, the chair of the school committee is questioning the value of a <laughs> diploma. I mean, the, the, she, the chair of the school committee is saying that she's not sure that the valedictorian at some of our high schools are prepared to- Be in the world. In the world. So what does that mean for the kids who are B students and C students? Can we, can we, can we like pause there and just say every other conversation is absolutely meaningless? Can we just say that until we deal with that issue, we can deal with no other issue? That everything else is a distraction is not as important as the fact that we need our students when they graduate from BPS to be able to feel like they can be successful in the world. Period. The chair of our school committee said last night that they were not able to be successful. The valedictorians of our high schools are not able to be successful in our world. And this, I mean, it brings it full circle in the superintendent's report at the beginning. She has to talk about transformation schools. She's required to quarterly by the Department of Education of the state. The transformation schools, Ross, are the schools that sit, I asked you about it today, they sit at the bottom of our system. And it's about a third of our schools perform at the very bottom of the state. This is what the chair, I think, is talking about. If we are doing a huge disservice to our kids, if we are not focused on 
leveling the playing field for all of these kids and giving them an education, just like the education that happens, you know, down the Mass Pike in some of the suburbs. We are completely capable of doing that. We have incredible principals who can oversee this, right? But we have to focus on the matter at hand. You know, our kids, our teachers are not thriving right now. It's super interesting that the members of the school committee themselves are saying they're highly concerned. They want to focus on the real issues. These members are the ones who are in charge of what they discuss but and they how they discuss it, like they but can. they don't feel like they are. Yeah. So it is time. Something has to happen here, and this will not be resolved until it happens. And I would argue that what has to happen is the members need to be given the ability to actually do their jobs. Yeah. Or, I mean, or I don't know that we have a very strong opinion on this, right? But somebody needs to be focused on kids and teachers. So whether it's an elected school committee, it's the current school committee taking over the reins of policymaking in our city, or the mayor just sets up a department and starts making decisions. You know, we, everybody needs one person to talk to, right? We need to know who's making the decisions so that the conversation can be valid. I agree. And that's what happened last night at the Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. We want to hear from you. If you have thoughts or concerns about how BPS is serving your student, please send us an email at podcast at shawfoundation.org. That's S-H-A-H foundation.org. Thank you for listening to Last Night at School Committee. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please rate, review, like, and share it with your fellow friends, parents, and residents of Boston. We all have a stake in the future success of Boston's students. Have a great day.